Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bccweb.com. Good morning and welcome. And uh, for those that are new, uh, we are currently in a series of strength and courage. And uh, I've been thinking about these two words uh, this week. And uh, I always associate them with those moments of bravery. When you have soldiers on the battlefield protecting their homeland, protecting their wives, their children, those that are in danger, those, those that get hurt, and they will always have, have strength and they will be courageous to move on, move forward, advance no matter what. But then I've been thinking also of the moments in my life, personally, when I needed strength and I needed, needed courage. And there are just a few of them, but I came to agree that the moments in my life when I need the most strength and courage is when I am under loads of pressure. Now, I know all of us go to different sorts of pressure even daily, but then there are seasons in our life when there is, the pressure is immense. Yeah. The pressure is huge, and we don't know what to do. And this is the kind of strength and courage that I want to speak about this morning. It's not very active. It's not very brave in the type of brave heart type of, uh, or Lord of the Rings going and fighting the orcs or stuff like this. <laughs> but it's, it's more of a quiet type of strength and courage that we need when we are under uh, this sort of pressure. So the title of the preaching this morning is Strength and Courage Under Pressure. Now we will be focusing on uh, Aaron, uh, and I will, I will read uh, this first text and then I'll tell you what we're going to do. So it's in Exodus 32, the first six verses. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the east of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in, the ears of, in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made the proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So I will be speaking about two scenes, like in one of those movies when you have two scenes happening in the same time, taking place in the same time, and they will overlap. The first scene will have Aaron as the main character, and the second one will be focusing on God and Moses. So let's, let's focus on Aaron first. He was under loads of pressures. So we'll be speaking of the three P's of the pressures that Aaron faced. The first one would be pressure from the people, the second one would be pressure for the past, and the third one would be pressure from the present. This is Aaron, Moses' brother, the man in charge of the camp of Israel, the people of Israel, while Moses was not with them. So he was the leader, he was the, the, the guy that had to deal with all sorts of things while Moses was not there. So, the first one, the first pressure that he faced was pressure from the people. Click the next one. So, the first pressure that we can, fa we can face is 
from people that are around us. And the verse says this, that the people gathered themselves together to Aaron. And I've been thinking, what sort of people gathered around him? Yeah. I mean, we know there were millions of them. Surely not all of them gathered around him, but I'm sure that when they gathered around Aaron, they were speaking in the name of the whole people. Yeah. So the people that gathered around him, I assume correctly, that they were friends of his. No, people that he was spent all this time in the desert, they became friends. There were people that were family. There were people that were relatives, close, or a bigger family. There were people that he spent all this time with. There were people that he saved and delivered from the hand of the Egyptians in that place. There were people that he was willing to die, to die for while he was facing the Pharaoh. Because, of course, the Pharaoh could have killed him any time. We know God was in control, but the thing is that he put his life on the line for them. There were people that he loved. There were people that he cared about. There were people that he, sh he shared in the past good moments and not so good moments. He saw miracles happening with them, but then there was some suffering that they all shared together. So when these sort of people gathered around, gather around you, when family gathers around you, when people that you have a past with, when people that you care about, when people that you love, people that you would even give your life for, they can put you under the most huge pressure that you can never face in, in, in life. Because people that we share suffering and joy with, they are the closest to our heart. Yeah. And they will put the most pressure, even if sometimes they don't realize. Even if sometimes they don't do it on purpose. We love them and we want to do the best for them. But Aaron did a mistake because these people were demanding. Yeah. They came and said, up. Yeah. Just Hebrew grammar and English grammar, you understand that the attitude that they had wasn't the best. Yeah. They just <laughs> you don't need to know Hebrew to understand this, <laughs> right? They just came around him and said, move. Move. And why did they do this? Because that's the question. Well, the answer is in the first few words. It says, when they saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain. When they saw that Moses delayed. Now, if you look now in the Hebrew, you'll see that this word delayed brings with it an attitude of disappointment and shame. Mm. So the people were disappointed because they thought that Moses was late. Because wrong expectations lead to disappointments. Yeah. People thought or expected Moses to already be in the camp. He wasn't, and therefore Aaron had to face the pressure of it. When people in your life, in your family, people, people you care about, people you love, have wrong expectations from what should happen in their life, especially in their relation with God, because they know you are a Christian, they know this, they're put under immense pressure when their expectation, which is wrong, because Moses didn't say, guys, I'm coming at this time, please wait for me with a red carpet. He didn't say this, but people had wrong expectations. And when it didn't happen, Aaron took the blame. And we need to be careful what image of God we portray to the people that we care about. We need to be careful that we portray the right image because wrong expectations would lead to disappointment for the people that are in our lives. And therefore, God will sort of take the blame as well, even though it wasn't anyone's fault in this. And the second type of pressure he faced from the people was from the people who want to replace God because they say, up, make us gods who shall go before us. Now, who was to go before them all the time? Yeah. Wasn't it God? Yeah. The pillar of fire with the smoke, day and night, always with them. 
And what they say is this, replace God, replace him in our lives. We, don't, we no longer want to follow him, we want to follow an idol. They were idolaters. And there is a very subtle thing we can do here. Is that sometimes we can, we can take the gifts that God has given us and make them into an idol. Mm -hmm. What I mean is this. The people that had the goal that they had was what God told them to take with them when they left Egypt. Mm -hmm. So when God delivered them, he gave them something as well. And then they came to Aaron and what Aaron did was to take the gold, which is precious, which is a gift, and fashion it into, into a golden calf for them to worship it. And God has, has put gifts in your life as well. All of us here. Everyone. There are gifts, talents, things we know how to do, things we are good at. And we need to be careful not to make those gifts into others in our life. Not to elevate the gifts above the giver. Yeah. And probably the, the most precious gifts that God has given us are the people in our lives. Yeah. Spouse, children, <coughs> close friends. And we need to be very careful with this because we tend sometimes to put the gifts, like people we love, above God in our lives. Mm -hmm. And then we will become idolaters. We should not, as Aaron, as Aaron did, become people pleasers. Right. No matter what. Yes. And this is huge pressure. If, if any pressure, the, the biggest pressure is that you would get to worship, to do anything for the people you love more than God. Of course, love them. Do everything. Take care of your family. It's normal. But even as men, even though I don't know, but I heard about that, it's immense pressure when you have to take care of your family. And then there are times when, because of this pressure, you will know, not know what to do. And Aaron became people pleaser. He gave in into this pressure. He became an idolater with them because of the huge pressure that he was facing. The second pressure that he faced was pressure from the past. The next one. Pressure from the past. Successes, blessing, and experience. It's what I call the better in Egypt attitude. We know that the people of Israel all the time were grumbling and complaining. They were always speaking, it was better back then. We had what we eat, we weren't starving, uh, and all this stuff. They even said, we would prefer to go back to slavery and to have all those things than to be free and not have some of the things. And I realized that sometimes we tend to, to look at the past and the good moments that we've been through, because all of us have different seasons. There were times maybe when in your family things were very good. There were times when maybe you were doing better in school. There were times when your, your kids were listening to you, but they became teenagers. <laughs> there were all these times. And sometimes we tend to compare these two things. We compare the better past, and then we let the better past define the present as failure. Do not let the, the past blessings define your present as failure. Because we ought not to compare these things. And I want to say this. If you had a blessing in the past, it doesn't necessarily mean it must happen at in the present as well. But if it doesn't happen in the present, it doesn't mean that it won't happen in the future. Because God is in control of everything. So you see, the biggest pressure that we can face is to look at the success of the past and then look at the present, compare it and say, we are a failure. Yeah. There's nothing good in us. God doesn't love me anymore. God has forgotten me. God doesn't care about my needs. 
which is natural. God does love you. That God does care about you. God will take care of you. That is a promise. I mean, he's God after all. Yeah. So don't let this pressure come on you. When people around you say, it was better back then, do not be like Aaron, who gave up in the pressure. He took the easy way out. Okay, guys, let's make a golden calf then. I will shut your mouth like this. Do not do this. Do not do this. Do not become people pleasers. Even though the pressure from the past is huge. Because the success will put the most pressure on you. Not the failure of the past. You need to be careful because it's very subtle. And the third uh, pressure he faced was the pr pressure from the present. Present circumstances were this. Moses was not there because God has called him up on the mountain. Moses wasn't there. We know that he was down in the camp taking care of the people of Israel. His brother Moses, the leader of the camp, the leader of the people, was not there with them anymore. Now, when the people that you care for most of, most for, they will not be there, you find yourself under immense pressure. While I grew up in the orphanage, there was this man that always took care of me. Since I was five years old, so I was in orphanage at four years and four months. Soon after, he came in my life. And he started to invest his time, even resources. But I owe to him a lot of my passion for God today. Yeah. And he grew up, he taught me how to read the Bible. He gave me chocolate when I knew all the 66 <laughs> books of the Bible by heart. That is a motivation. <laughs> so he really was like a father for me. He was my mentor. He was the guy that I was looking up to. I wanted to become like him. I even wanted to study languages because he was a language teacher. I wanted to become like him. And he was an example for me of how to serve God. But there came a moment in my late teenagehood when he moved on. He left the church because God has called him to plant a new church. So the guy that I was looking up to was no longer there for me. Because, as with Moses, God has called him, God called him to a different place. And I found myself that I was dependent on him even in my work with, with God. And when he left, people in the church, started to gossip, started to speak bad about him, started with this attitude of, they know better, you know, this kind of people, which they always think they know better. And I found myself under this huge pressure. I would no longer hear him preaching on Sunday. What was I to do? Well, what I did was to give up. I was a coward, and I took the easy way out. So, I decided I would no longer ever in my life come to church. I left the church, and I went home, and I even decide that I'll never follow God in my life. I don't, want to do, I don't want to have to do anything with God, with church, with people. Because they disappointed me. I was disappointed. Of course, this didn't really happen. After five weeks, I went back to church. And all this time, God was working on my heart, pride, and all these things. So I went back in the church, and as you can understand, hopefully, I am following God, even <laughs> today. <laughs> I am fine. But I want, what I want to say is that when the people that you care, the most, when the people that you look up to are taken away from your life, you'll find yourself under immense pressure. Maybe for some of you, God has literally taken people away. They died. They are with Him now. And you find yourself that you no longer have that crutch that you are leaning on. God has removed it. And now you have to walk on your own. Of course you are not alone. But when this man was sort of taken out of my life, I had to learn how to be disciplined in my relationship with God. Yeah. To read the Bible on my own, not for him. To, to listen to preachings that it wasn't about him. And I had to move on because he was taken out of my life. And I'm sure all of us, 
have this sort of people in our lives. Yeah. And there will be moments when God is calling them to a different place. Even maybe leaving the church. Maybe God will call them to do another thing. And these are the moments when the pressure from the people around you will be huge. Yeah. The second pressure from the presence was that there was no voice of God. Why am I saying this? Because God was speaking through Moses. Okay? When, if people wanted to know what God is saying, Moses was the guy. But Moses was not there. So Aaron was there with all the people complaining, putting pressure on him. And there was no voice of God present during, the, during that time. Now I want to say this. God doesn't always have to speak audibly to you. There are times when you will not hear God. And let me tell you something. It's not your fault. If you do not hear God speaking, it doesn't mean you have little faith. It doesn't mean you fall, fall out from grace or whatever goes through our mind. There are times when we go through a quiet season. We all have these quiet seasons in our lives. When we will not hear God's voice. Even more, sometimes the, the voice of the people will be so loud, will be the loudest, and the God's and God's voice will be inexistent in our lives. Why am I saying this? It's quite... Why would someone say that God is not always speaking? Well, the biggest example I can find is that when Malachi, the prophet that wrote the last word of the Old Testament and until the birth of Jesus, there were 430-something years when God has not spoken. He might have, but it's not in the Bible. Therefore, it's not really recognized as God speaking. And God was quiet during those times. God didn't speak to anyone in the world. So there are quiet seasons in your life. And in those quiet seasons, you will not hear God, but you will hear all the people around you putting immense pressure on you. People with disappointments, people with all sorts of thoughts, ideas, people that think they always know better. And this is another pressure that Aaron, Aaron gave into. He again failed. He took the easy way out. Because yeah. he didn't know what was actually happening. Because in the scene number two, Moses was up in the, on the mountain with God. Can you click? What was happening is that while Aaron was down under this immense pressure from the people, from the past, from the present circumstances, Moses was with God and they were planning something. Mm. Yes, it started chapters and weeks before the episode with the pressure. But there came a time in chapter 32 when they overlapped. While Aaron was under immense pressure, God was planning something for him personally and for the people of Israel. Only, if only he knew, which he didn't. So let's see the three P's of God's planning. First of all, God planned for his presence to come on earth. And we see this uh, in Exodus 25:22. There, I will meet you and from the above the mercy seat from between the two cherubim on the ark of the testimony. I will speak to you, with you, all that I will give in commandment for the people of Israel. God was planning to bring his presence and glory on earth. If only Aaron knew. But he didn't. Because while he was under this immense pressure, while he was gathering people to worship this golden calf, God was planning for the tabernacle, for the tent of meeting. Yeah. The greatest thing humankind has seen, in a way, because God's presence was to dwell on earth. What greater thing would we want than to dwell in God's presence? 
And while he was under this immense pressure, God planned a way in detail to bring his presence on earth for the man to meet with God. The second thing that God planned was personally for Aaron was to make him a priest. We see this uh, in chapter 28. Then bring near to you Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priest. While Aaron became an idolater, God was planning to make him a servant and a priest. Yeah, God was planning a future for him. Yeah. I, 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 I want no greater calling upon my life than to dwell in God's presence. I mean, if, even now I get goosebumps. <laughs> Imagine greater calling than to dwell in God's presence all your life. He was to be the guy that was going one time a year to atone for people's sins. Yes. Now that is a calling. That is a calling. He was the guy that was to dwell in the glory of God's presence, even though in the same time he was an idolater. He was cheating on God under this immense pressure that he was on. If only he knew what God was planning for his life. If only. The third thing that God planned was for purity for all Israel. It says, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you, I purify you, I make you holy, and I make you perfect. In falling, they knew they would have no longer used the gifts that I has given them to cheat on God. Yeah. If only. Yeah. And sometimes we find ourselves under these huge, huge pressures when everything around us seems to be against us. Yeah. We find ourselves like we have nothing to live for. And even so, God loves us. Even Aaron, as he was failing God in every single way as he was a coward to take the easy way out he was a cheater because he was worshipping other idols he was encouraging people to worship idols God had grace for his life because God knew what was happening he was seeing everything we do not have the bigger picture God does the picture that Aaron had was that here at the bottom of the mountain there is pressure, everyone's against me, even the friends that I helped escape slavery, they are against me as well. But God was planning a bright future for him, a future, a future to bless him, to prosper him. You know how, how you can know if, God, if you are in God's will? First of all, it needs to bring glory to God, because that was the first thing. God brought his glory in his presence on earth. The second thing you need to check yourself is, if what you are doing helps people? Do people benefit from your calling and ministry? And the third thing, which is easy to accept, are you blessed? <laughs> are you blessed by what you are doing? Because when God calls us to do something, we are blessed. Even though it's not easy all the time, God will bless us. And for me, one of the, the greatest pressures that we, we see in the Bible is from Job. You can go to the next one. And I'll tell you about this after. <laughs> no, no, go back. So I want to say this, it's important, that's why I put it so big. The most courageous thing we can do under pressure is to wait, to hope, and to trust. It's not that kind of courage that requires you to, uh, to go on a skate with a bow. What's the name of that elf in Lord of the Rings, Adam? Uh, 
Legolas. You know Legolas when he was skating on that and he was just <laughs> shooting orcs? <laughs> That's not the type of bravery we're speaking about today. When you look in the Greek, when in that verse that says, be strong and courageous, that word, that these words bring with them an idea of be hopeful and be confident. So you see, courage and strength are defined by being full of hope, so a hopeful person, and someone that has confidence, of course not in self, but in God, even if circumstances look chaotic. <laughs> Even if everyone's against you, family, people you love, past, present, you have no escape. God is in control. And as Job said, <laughs> so towards the end of what he wrote, I mean, if someone was under pressure, it was him, really, like he lost everything. It's he says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted, hindered, stopped, obstructed. He also says, Lord uh, says, after the Lord has spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, my anger burns against you and against your two friends. Why? Because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. Job was under this huge immense pressure. He was. And what he did was to acknowledge that God can do all things. And that no purpose that God has can be obstructed by anything or by anyone. God was planning his will on heaven to take place on earth. The second sin that we have seen was to influence the future of Aaron. If only he knew. But he didn't. What should have he done? What, 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 what was he to do? And I believe to be courageous in this circumstance when you are under immense pressure is to wait. <laughs> It's to wait and it's so hard. <laughs> I'd rather fight armies <laughs> than to wait, especially in my personality, I'm not always patient. I, I, I would do something, I want to be active. But sometimes the most courageous thing you can do in life is to wait. And the knowledge that, and know that God can do all things. He can. And whatever He plans will happen. And we see how God's grace went be beyond Aaron's sin. God's grace was, went beyond what he did wrong. Yeah. Because God had planned things for his life. And even if he was a failure, God made him a priest. Even if he was a no one, God ma made him the someone in the camp of Israel. Yeah, the guy that people were looking up to even though at some point he was down worshipping idols. God has plans for your lives. And that is a fact, that is a promise. No matter who you are, no matter who you are, and even though you don't see it at the moment, even though you might go through this quiet season, God has plans. You don't see them, He does. You don't understand, He does. You don't know, He does. It will happen at some point, even if you don't hear Him speaking. And sometimes He might use people to relate to you the plans that He has for your life, as He did with Moses. If the guy that and the person that you love the most is not with you in your life, trust God and wait for the right moment. Be courageous. Do not give in. Do not take the coward way to just give in. Do not take the easy way out. Be courageous, be strong, and wait. One of the most courageous people in the whole world was Jesus Christ. He was, or Moses was actually a presentation of Jesus Christ because he was the people's uh, 
mediator between, between people and God. He was the guy. But now things have changed. And Jesus is our mediator, which in Hebrews says, he's constantly interceding for us. Why would we need interceding if we, if we would be perfect? I mean, come on. God knows that we fail sometimes. God knows that sometimes we have cheated on him in our lives, with the gifts that he has given us. God knows that many times we give in to pressure. But Jesus is constantly, this is what the word says, constantly, daily, non-stop, interceding for you and for I. And we know what he could have done. When the, people, when the soldiers came to take him, he could have called 12 legions of angels. Now that is a movie. <laughs> that, that is what we put in the number one most courageous thing. Call 12 legions of angels, wipe everyone out. But he didn't. And the courage of Jesus is seen in the fact that he waited, he shut his mouth, and he didn't abuse or use the power that he could have done. And because of that, God's plans took place. And you yeah. know what is the proof of this? You yeah. and I. Yeah. Because Jesus was courageous to, as a lamb going to be slaughtered. He didn't do. He waited. He hoped. He had confidence in his Father that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. He knew that. He waited and his plans happened, took place. And you and I can stand this morning because of what Jesus did. Yeah. He waited, he had hope, he was confident in God, and he died for us. Now he is our high priest. Amen. And even more than this, we are God's temple. God's presence dwells within you. I mean, we, are in, we have Aaron's calling, and we have the, the greatest intercessor interceding for us. Yeah. Yeah. This is who we are today. Even though sometimes we fail God. They want to say that God has grace for your life. And you have found yourself during this time under immense pressure and seasons of quietness. Seasons of being in sin and doing all things that are against God's will. He has grace for your life. And while you were away from Him under pressure, He was planning something for your life that no one can undo. No one can undo. So my, what I want to say this morning is this. Wait. Just wait. If only Aaron knew. But now you know that God has a plan for your life. Now you know that God is planning something even though you find yourself under this immense pressure. You know that somehow, sometime, God will reveal what plans he has for your life. Do not give up. Do not take the easy way out. Stand firm and as, as Job says, I know that you can do all things. I know that none of your plans can be stopped by anyone, no matter what. I miss you.